We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Rotoviz Radio Draft Series, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm your host, Anthony Amico. Follow me on Twitter, at Amixta. Today I'm glad to be joined by Sean Slavin of 2QBs. You can find him on Twitter, at Slavin22. Sean, thanks for joining me. How's it going? Great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're really excited to talk quarterbacks today with Sean. But before we get into it, I just want to remind everyone that you can get a 30% discount to a Rotoviz Pass by signing up through the podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and it supports the pod. You can also support the show by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz Radio channel on iTunes. Do that, and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Just go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com, and we'll get that set right up. Now, uh, obviously shouldn't surprise anyone that we're talking QBs with Sean today. He is, of course, a quarterback writer at 2QBs, fantastic website. Definitely recommend that you guys check that out. Uh, but before we start talking a, a little bit more about the specific 
quarterbacks in the 2018 draft. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about, uh, I'm, I'm going to call it uh, Tenier. I mean, can I say that? Is that is that appropriate? I mean, this is your metric. Uh, <laughs> you created this. Uh, you know, you've been applying it to some of the draft prospects. I mean, can you just explain a little bit of, of what this is? Yeah, so uh, me and Greg from 2QBs, we uh, just called it Tanya. Makes it a little easier. Right. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's just a spinoff of the popular quarterback efficiency metrics that you see, AYA, um, NEA, or ANYA, however you say that one. <laughs> um, but it also incorporates rushing into the mix, so um, takes into account all aspects of a quarterback's game, um, at least the main things, passing, rushing, avoiding sacks. Um, at the NFL level, it adds a bit of predictiveness over AYA and NEY, and, uh, but it adds a little bit more context with the rushing, which um, adds a little bit of value to the mobile quarterbacks, which I think are a little bit underappreciated by the standard metrics. Yeah, I'm definitely a, a mobile quarterback fan. I mean, it's part of this... Part of this, like, introduction of the rushing, is that because, like, the sack yards are included there? Like, what was the, oh, I guess, what was kind of the the idea there behind adding in the rushing? So, uh, when I started off this offseason digging into um, quarterback prospect research, I was, got my hands on college data from Sports Reference, and I was actually just trying to get... Um, ANYA, um, AYA with the with sacks incorporated, but college data until recently ha hasn't split out rushes from sacks, so um, it's pretty hard to find that data split out. So I just decided to add in that rushing data, which included sacks, and found that it increased production predictiveness and it actually it was better because <laughs> it took into account every aspect of the game and I checked it at the NFL levels and it actually can predict AYA a little bit better than AYA does itself it's it's essential it's almost the same it's a marginal difference but um, rushing is a really stable part of a quarterback's game so um, that's where that little ad and predictiveness comes from. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I should probably say for the listeners who don't know, uh, NEA, ANYA is just adjusted net yards per attempt. So Sean's metric is uh, Tanya. The, the T is just total. So total adjusted net yards per attempt. That's the difference here with the rushing. Now, you mentioned a little bit uh, in terms of uh, predicting quarterback success. How has uh, Tanya done in terms of predicting quarterback success for you know maybe some guys in the past? Evaluating prospects is where Tanya really makes it money. It's money. Uh, like I said, at the NFL level, it's really just gives you a different perspective with um, similar outcome. But um, for college quarterbacks and how they translate to the pros, it's significantly better than the other stats, especially because um, we don't even have the sacks in there with AYA. Um, so, but 
adding the rushing and the sacks in makes it a little bit more predictive, but um, the biggest bump is when I adjust for schedule and era. Um, it really, uh, yards per attempt on its own can predict draft capital at about a .11 R squared. Uh, AYA is .125, and then Tanya, when it's schedule and era adjusted, the R squared is .18. So they're all not great, as you can see, because there's a lot more that goes into draft capital and what teams value than just college efficiency. But Tanya is the standard when it comes to those efficiency metrics. And um, on top of that, some film, age, size, other things go into what teams are looking at. Yeah, so you mentioned that, um, you know, Tanya doing a better job than some of these other metrics in terms of predicting draft position. How does Tanya compare to something like draft position in terms of predictability? Because, you know, typically we say that draft position is kind of like the gold standard in terms of, you know, what a guy's going to do at the next level across all positions. Uh, so how does Tanya compare there to uh, draft position? It depends on your definition of NFL success for quarterbacks. If you measure success purely by longevity or something that's heavily influenced by longevity, um, draft capital can't be beat. Uh, draft capital has about a 0.3, wait, actually 0.5 R squared with a uh, total attempts for quarterbacks that are drafted. And even if I add in Tanya and a couple other metrics, I can only marginally improve that, and it's not even worth it at that point. So NFL teams are, how I put this, they're either really good at sniffing out which quarterbacks will last in the pros, or they're unwilling to change their opinions <laughs> because um, Tanya is, once you account for quarterbacks that I should say once you disregard quarterbacks that don't accrue significant sample size in the NFL there's almost no correlation between draft capital and efficiency and that's where Tanya comes in there's a signal between college efficiency and NFL efficiency and when you add things like age and mobility to the model it gets even better awesome so I guess so would it be fair then to say that like draft position is determining like who gets opportunity and then Tanya does a really good job of saying like what is this guy going to do with that opportunity, you know, if if and when he gets it. Yeah, and generally the quarterbacks at the top of the draft are going to be better. It's not like teams are it's really just an unwillingness to change their opinions. Teams are good at figuring out which quarterbacks are good in a general scheme, but in a general sense. Uh, but on a micro level, it just you can't just look at draft capital and see who are going to be the stars. Um, when you look at top five picks, other things really matter. All right, great. So we're going to talk a little bit more about these particular quarterbacks in this class, but first I just have a Brief message to you from the FFPC. I want to tell you about our friends at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. 
For most people, it's the offseason, but not for the FFPC. If you're ready to draft now, the FFPC best ball leagues are drafting daily with entry fees starting at just $35. They have both slow and live drafts to fit drafters of all types. And if you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. And here's something incredible. Not a single Dynasty League has folded in eight years at the FFPC. New Dynasty Leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching right after the NFL Draft. Don't miss out on the FFPC experience. Go to MyFFPC.com and register now. That's MyFFPC.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. And I think for me, you know, it, it makes sense for us to segue you know, our, our FFPC listeners, our, our guys who are getting into the Dynasty Leagues, you need to know who these quarterbacks are. So uh, now that we've talked a little bit about Tanya, let's get into the quarterbacks. This is obviously a much heralded class. I think it's starting to look like maybe we'll get four guys that are drafted inside of the top six in the quarterback position. So, uh, you know, put simply, Sean, who do you like the best and who do you like the best specifically for fantasy? So currently Sam Darnold, sits atop my rankings for looking at it from a pure NFL perspective. If I was an NFL GM, I'd take him number one. He's the most well-rounded prospect of the bunch. Um, no prospect is perfect, especially when you get into nitty-gritty details, but he's the only guy I see in this class without any clear statistical weaknesses, um, at least among the attributes that I find va valuable. Um, his final year efficiency was a bit low for a first-round prospect, and his mobility is mediocre but not concerning. If I have to knock him on something, it's those two things. But his size, overall college efficiency, rankings among scouts, and age are all strengths. Um, he doesn't in fact, he'll be the youngest quarterback to be drafted since at least 2004. Um, there may have been someone younger before that, but uh, that's just what I have in front of me. But um, that's the only thing he stands out in. Um, Baker Mayfield, obviously, is one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time when you look at efficiency, and that's what I value. So... I'm leaning towards Baker Mayfield in a dynasty league, but if I'm an NFL team, I want Sam Darnold by a little bit. I think that's really interesting because a lot of, I basically consider you to be a, a stats-based guy. I think most of the stats community is like really enamored with Mayfield. What is the, I guess what's like the deciding factor between Mayfield and someone like Darnold from an NFL perspective? Probably just because I do take into account draft capital into my model. Um, despite the fact that um, it doesn't predict efficiency on its own, when um, using Tanya and draft capital as the two main variables and then adding in things like age, mobility, and height, um, my model is able to predict longevity just as well as draft capital on, on its own, but improve on efficiency. So if Sam Darnold being the consensus number one, unless you believe some of the reports that 
Josh Allen's going to go number one really weighs into my model. Teams love him, and that matters. All right, great. Yeah, I mean, and uh, to reference what you were talking about earlier, Darnold will be the youngest quarterback ever to be drafted, um, but he won't be the youngest ever to start week one if he does that because uh, the the time of the draft has moved up. So he's picked up like some time on some of those older guys. <laughs> uh, but he uh, so he will be the youngest drafted, but he won't be the youngest ever to start. But still, obviously, you know, prolific in terms of the age. Uh, so we know who your number one guy is. Let's let's kind of just work our way down the board here. Who would be your second quarterback? And again, if you could get if we could get a perspective here from you know again the NFL and for fantasy. So just for NFL, like I said, Baker Mayfield's right behind Sam Darnold. Um, his his size is the only real weakness, but from my research, short quarterbacks with his statistical profile do just fine in the NFL. Um, it's not ideal. I'd rather have a quarterback with his college production and size, but um, it's not a red flag to me at all. We see guys like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees that are the standouts, but... Um, other quarterbacks in college who are short but were um, had a outstanding efficiency do just fine. Besides that, his age is another thing that um, he lags behind the other top QBs. Um, Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen are all really young for prospects, and Mayfield I think is about two years older. But that's just a small piece of the puzzle. Um, and it actually helps being older with rookie year performance, so that's a plus for fantasy purposes, and part of the reason why I'd rather take him in a dynasty draft, especially because I value um, basically winning now. I want a guy who can start now and start accruing value. Um, Darnold probably will play right away, but... Um, Mayfield being mobile and a little bit older, I think he he has a better chance to um, just start off his NFL career on the right track. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think for me, like you mentioned, obviously kind of the instantaneous production, uh, that's why I really like Lamar Jackson. I mean, he was someone that uh, I ranked second on my quarterback list at two quarterback at two QBs and. A big part of that is is kind of the rushing. I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier. We were just talking about Tanya. Like that rushing production is probably going to be relatively stable in his career. We're not 100% positive exactly what it looked like yet, but the fact that he's going to get, uh, you know, I don't know. I would say conservatively, conservatively, probably at least four rushing attempts a game as a rookie. Like when he starts, um, that's going to build, you know, a, a good floor. I think into his weekly production. So I think. Uh, I think that definitely gives Lamar Jackson a nice little bump for me. Yeah, definitely. And he rounds out my top tier of quarterbacks, um, no matter what perspective, NFL, Dynasty. Um, and an argument can definitely be made for number one. Um, his weaknesses come down to height, but he's not that short. He's really on the just a little bit on the lower side. And how some scouts feel about him, if not for that... Um, he would join Darnold as one of the most well-balanced 
quarterback prospects of recent memory, which may not <laughs> float well in the mainstream, but that, that's how I view Lamar Jackson. I think he's even more well-rounded than Baker Mayfield. Mayfield just had incredible college efficiency, and um, he's mostly banking on that and his mobility, but Lamar Jackson is similar in both regards and has a little bit more height. He played in the most pro-style offense out of all the top quarterbacks at Louisville. Um, so I, I really like Lamar Jackson. He's just um, a little bit behind the other guys um, in my NFL rankings. But he he had strong college efficiency. He's super young. He has elite mobility. There's there's an argument to be made at number one, uh, and so I definitely feel you ranking him at number two. I could definitely get on board with that. It's it's really nitpicking between these three guys. It's a great class. And another thing, just like you were talking about um, mobility being important, especially for rookie year efficiency, and I've actually found that it's the most important attribute for rookie year success of quarterback prospects. Um, I have a separate model um, aside from my like long-term outlook for the quarterback prospects that just deals with rookie year efficiency. Um, and mobility is by far the most important factor than college efficiency and then age being older this time. So because of that, Lamar would be my top rookie QB for redraft leagues, assuming they all had a starting gig. Um, whoever gets to start week one, if there's only one of them, it's going to be that guy, but all else equal. Um, I, he's the only one that really stands out as far as rookie readiness to me. Mayfield's also good, too. The other guys are more projects. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of what you're saying matches up with some of the work that you've done, I know you sent me like the, uh, you know, like the comps graph. I don't know if that's something that you've posted anywhere yet, but you know, like I'm, I'm kind of looking through some of the, you know, comparables that you have for a lot of these guys, and uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, uh, you know, you look at a guy like a Sam Darnold that looks like a lot of his closest comps are uh, guys like Jameis Winston, Sam Bradford, Matthew Stafford, like guys who. I don't know, maybe we had to warm up to a little bit, but are, are guys that are probably franchise signal callers. Uh, and then you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, and his closest comps are closer to like Tim Tebow, Johnny Menzel, uh, guys who, at least so far, like haven't shown any kind of longevity, but were able to produce. I mean, Tebow had a stretcher. He was definitely a you know, startable quarterback, maybe even a QB1. Uh, and he basically didn't throw the ball well at all. So, like, you know, if we can get a little bit more out of Jackson even if maybe he doesn't have the same kind of career in terms of the length as Darnold, uh, yeah, he certainly can uh, can queue up some fantasy points. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson's readiness to produce in his rookie year is a great reason to target him in dynasty leagues. He's probably going to be cheaper than Darnold, Mayfield, and uh, Josh Rosen, and my long-term outlook for him is in the top tier but also he's going to produce right away. He's going to put up numbers in fantasy, and um, anyone who wasn't as high on him coming into the 
into the draft or in his rookie year is going to want him, and you'll be able to cash out on Jackson after a season or two as long as he lives up to that, and you really get a nice profit from that. Yeah, I like that strategy a lot. Now, you have mentioned Josh Rosen a couple times. Is he your number four quarterback, or is it somebody else? He's my number four quarterback, and he's probably my most contrarian projection on the top guys because of that. Um, a lot of people have him at number one, um, both for NFL and fantasy purposes. Um, but besides also being about 21 years old, he is completely different from Jackson as a prospect by the things I look at. His mechanics are raved about by scouts. Uh, his mobility is a concern for me, and his college efficiency was middling at best for a first-round quarterback. It's basically the opposite of Lamar Jackson. I still like him as a top-eight pick in, in next month's draft, but he's overvalued as a dynasty asset from my perspective. Um He's in the second tier for long-term outlook, but also I was talking about my rookie readiness model, and Rosen is actually the least rookie-ready prospect of any first-round pick since 2004. Um, it might seem weird considering scouts raving about his mechanics, but... He's he's not mobile. He wasn't great in college. Um, I don't see why he would be great right away. Even if those mechanic, if the mechanics are so great and that led to NFL success right away, why didn't that lead to more success in college? That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, Rosen is so intriguing to me because, like. He, he really does feel like Eli Manning to me, and I know I've seen like that comp thrown out a few times, but like in the sense that he's just always been considered to be a great quarterback prospect, and he hasn't done anything to move people off of that. Like, you know, he started as a true freshman at UCLA, uh, you know, started before, you know, basically broke out in terms of like what he did in a college offense before his 19th birthday, the only guy that I have. Uh, in my database that that's done that previously is Christian Hackenberg and obviously we know that Hackenberg didn't work out but I think there were a lot of other uh, variables in effect there the point really is just that you know while Darnold's overall age is prolific uh, Rosen's Rosen having three years under his belt as a college starter is also incredibly rare so we have kind of like these um, you know like this class has presented for us I guess you know three or four I, I would say probably four really unique prospects because we have, uh, you know, Darnold with his, his pure age, Rosen with his uh, pedigree, uh, Lamar Jackson with kind of the all-around production, and Mayfield in terms of, you know, his, his throwing efficiency. Like, we just have, like, four really kind of uh, unique and I don't want to say, like, statement prospects, but I feel like how some of these guys work out is maybe going to impact how we view the position kind of going forward. Right. And um, just... Going back, just like I said, Lamar Jackson, Jackson is someone I'm targeting in Dynasty, but if he works out after a couple of years, I'd cash in because his long-term outlook, while it, it's still 
great. It's not as high as Darnold and Mayfield. Um, in that same perspective, but the other way, while I recommend fading Rosen in rookie drafts for Dynasty, he'll make a great buy candidate in a year or two if he doesn't produce early like I'm predicting. I wouldn't expect quite the jump that Jared Goff showed this past year, but Goff, Matt Stafford, Eli, just like you said, fit Rosen's profile almost exactly in that regard where I had a very solid long-term grade but low rookie readiness. So if if you fade Rosen and he doesn't do well in his rookie year, don't shy away from him buy in. If he if he ends up doing well in his rookie year, his his value is going to go pretty high and uh <laughs> but I'm I'm planting my flag and betting that he's he's going to struggle and look like golf and then um his second or third year he'll he'll really pick it up. All right, I like that. I'd be definitely like to take stands here at Rotoviz. Uh, let's get to number five, Sean. Let's round out the top five. Who who you got? It's it's Josh Allen. Um, and for him, it's mostly the projected draft capital propping him up. Uh, his size, age, and mobility. Uh, sorry, his size, age, and mobility are appealing for sure, but quarterbacks with his college efficiency are simply not prospect material from all the study, studying and research I've done this offseason. Um, his career, Tanya, is really a red flag for a first-round pick. There's only been five first-rounders in the last 15 years who are less efficient than Josh Allen. It's Jay Cutler, Christian Ponder, Josh Freeman, J.P. Lossman, and Joe Flacco. So you have a, a couple hits there, but um, uh, none of them were taken in the top 10, so Allen would really be the first one to go top 10 with that bad of efficiency in college. Um, Matt Ryan is probably the closest out of top five picks, so he's really his role model. Um, if there's at least a precedent for him succeeding, and that's why I still have him at five, and um, I still think he's a solid second-round pick. I just I just don't think he's up there with the top four guys in this class. Um, even more concerning is uh, his final year, Tanya. Um, there's only a few guys that have even been taken on day two of the draft with um, Tanya as bad as his. Um, Drew Stanton, C.J. Beathard, Sean Mannion, and, yeah. Trent, and Trent Edwards. They're the only QBs taken in the first three rounds. That, All the studs. <laughs> yeah, that had a final year Tanya below six. Um, and Stanton's the only one in the top 88 picks. So really... That has been a thing in the past that has really scared teams away. Um, Jay Cutler is the only success story. If you up that threshold a bit and maybe Jacoby Brissett um, is on his way if, if he gets a chance to show out. Um, but 
but it's while final year Tanya didn't show up in my my model um, it's still just looking at it that way and looking at the only quarterbacks who are that bad but still to get drafted high it's just it's not a good look for Allen yeah I mean I don't know I don't know if you're if you're into like Dane Cook the comedian at all but like 10 years ago he had like this thing where he was like oh like you know what's your favorite Jolly Rancher flavor he'd be like don't say he's like don't you dare say sour apple like sour apple sucks. <laughs> if, you say, if you think sour apple is good you meet me in the hallway and I'll, I'll stab you in the jaw like that's how I feel about Josh Allen like pick any quarterback in the class like but if you think Josh Allen is good like we have to really talk because he sucks like he I, I don't you know I hate to say anything with confidence in terms of what we do like I hope that he's good right like this is a young kid looking to make his dreams happen like I hope he's good I hope Josh Allen goes out and, and tears it up. But if we're playing the probabilities, which I think is what we should be doing, particularly as fantasy players, but obviously if you're a, you know, an NFL GM, you're doing that also. Like, there's really not a lot on the profile to like, like you said. And the fact that we're basically, we're basically, you know, pinning our hopes on his success on the fact that he's going to get drafted high, and not on like any of the metrics that would display any kind of skill. Like, that's a huge red flag, especially when. You know, he played at a lower, I mean, he played Division One football, but he played it in, in a smaller conference. Like, you would have expected him to, you know, tear it up. I mean, we've seen we've seen guys play in, like, the MAC and the WAC and, you know, every other act you can think of uh, and, you know, have, like, these really good passing efficiency numbers and then suck in the NFL. You know, so now we have Josh Allen, who's going to go, like, in the top five because he's big. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have any of that. So I'm, I, uh... He is like a clear stay away for me. Yeah, um, I I totally feel you there. I'm a lot closer to um, to you on Josh Allen than um, the mainstream media. Um, I do think he has a high ceiling, which is why I'd still prefer him over Mason Rudolph for um, a dynasty league. Um, if it's a one-quarterback league. Um, in a two-quarterback league, I think I'd prefer Mason Rudolph because I think he has a higher chance to just be a decent quarterback and maybe be a nice QB2 or, um, or a streamer type in a two-quarterback dynasty. Um, but Allen has a higher ceiling, and while I don't think he has a high chance for success. If he does hit, he could hit big. And um, for quarterbacks in a one-quarterback dynasty, that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for the QB 15. You're looking for someone who has a chance to be top eight, top five. All right. I like uh, all the analysis there. Now, that's your top five quarterbacks. But is there one passer in this class that kind of stands out to you as a potential sleeper? So I just touched on Mason Rudolph a little bit, and he comes to mind just because I believe he belongs in the discussion with some of the guys ahead of him, Josh Allen and Josh Rosen especially. Um, if it wasn't for his low projected draft capital, he'd be in the top tier for me. Um, his 
mobility and uh, Scout's take on his film are weaknesses, but his combination of size and college efficiency is really intriguing, especially if it comes at a significantly lower price than the top QBs in the NFL draft. That means late first, possibly even second round. Um, in dynasty drafts, it means maybe a round later than Josh Allen, which I'd much rather have Rudolph at that price. Um, but looking deeper than that, Logan Woodside is my favorite mid to late round quarterback. Um, I have Kyle Laletta at seven, but Woodside is my eighth ranked quarterback. I have a fourth round grade on him, maybe late third, but most mocks have him going in the sixth round, seventh round, if at all, with Laletta going two or three rounds above him. Um, and I don't see that big of a difference between them, so I'd much rather wait and grab Woodside if I'm an NFL team. Um, he had great college efficiency. Um, he had a really easy schedule, one of the easiest schedules in the out of any quarterback in this class, but even when I adjust for that, dings his Tanya a lot. Um, his efficiency slots right between Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph for third um, in the 2018 class. Uh, he doesn't have much else going for him. He's, he's not that tall. He's not really mobile. Um, doesn't seem to be too much on his film that teams love, so... He's not a – I don't think he's a day-two prospect for me, but fourth round is fine, and NFL teams can do a lot worse than taking a shot at him in the mid or especially late rounds if he falls that far. Oh, I mean, you're you're speaking music to my ears. Like, I, I'm with you on both these guys. Like, I think that, um, you know, Rudolph obviously has displayed – Fantastic efficiency. I know it's the Big 12, and, and people love to yam him about that. But, you know, over 10 yards, uh, sorry, over 10 adjusted yards per attempt this year, uh, you know, 10 in back-to-back -back years. Like, he's just, he's killing it. I mean, this is a kid who's never had lower than 8.9 yards per attempt in a season. Um, just really impressive. And, and I'm with you on Woodside, too. I, I think it actually was the 2QBs podcast that came on a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to Greg, and he asked who my favorite sleeper was, and I also said Woodside. So we're on the same <laughs> we're on the same page at two QBs. I mean, at, and it shouldn't surprise any guys because we look at a lot of the same stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that he's not getting more buzz. The last time I checked, in terms of like where Woodside would be drafted, he looked like he was like he had a chance to not even get drafted, which I thought was was insane. Like, uh, you know. He does so many things better, I think, already than a lot of the guys that will get drafted ahead of him. Uh, like, I just feel like he he deserves the opportunity to, to be selected. So I, I do hope that he gets picked. Uh, if he doesn't, you know, I don't know, maybe we get Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0 or something, like just a guy that can be like a spot starter down the road. But I, uh, I'm definitely pulling for him. Same here. <laughs> uh, now, it is important that we talk about the guys that maybe we don't think will make it so who is your uh, biggest quarterback bust? Or at least, I shouldn't say who is your biggest quarterback bust, but who is the quarterback, I guess, that you think has the best chance to bust? Um, 
picking Josh Allen is probably low-hanging fruit at this point. Um, but out of the top guys, he has the biggest chance to bust overall. And then also, like I said before, I'm really low on Rosen compared to consensus. I don't think he has a high chance to bust. I just don't like his range of outcomes as much as the other top guys. Um, beyond that, um, we were talking about Logan Woodside and the mid-rounds. Um, the mid-round prospects that I would not touch until round six at the very earliest, but are going earlier in mock drafts that I'm seeing are Luke Falk and Mike White. Um, to me, Mike White is an older version of Rosen without the mechanics. So um, comparing him to Rosen might seem like a strong thing, but uh, an older version without the mechanics really takes away everything that we like about Rosen. <laughs> so um, so that's I don't, I don't like him. Uh, the film guys like him a lot. Um, it, compared to some of the other mid-round prospects, but I just don't see it. Um, and then, and Falk's tape must really be something because I can't see anything in the numbers that I hang my hat on. Yeah. Age, age mobility, efficiency, nothing sticks out to even be a mid-round pick. Yeah, I'm with you on, on all that. I think uh, the guy that really stands out to me and We've talked about him before, Kurt Banker. I, I like. I just like. There are people who are putting on for Kurt Banker every single day. Like right now, someone is putting on for Kurt Banker as we as we record this podcast. Someone somewhere is arguing that Kurt Banker is good, and I just I, I won't stand for it. I refuse. Um, like like when I when I look at Kurt Banker and his career adjusted yards per attempt of six point three, I'm thinking like Josh Allen with none of the upside. Like, that's, like, at least, like, people are seeing things in Josh Allen, like you mentioned, like, how people look at the film uh, for a guy like a Rosen, like, pretty similar to Allen, right? Like, there's things that he does that at least someone somewhere is like, hey, like, maybe if he did this more often, he would be good. And then Kurt Banker is, like, also kind of big with a strong arm, but, like, doesn't have as many of those moments. Like, I feel like his, it's like Josh Allen with more variance and a lower ceiling. Like, I'm just not... I'm not into it. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and I'll add Tanner Lee into that Ugh. same same mold. Both of those guys, they're going in the sixth or seventh round in some of the mocks. I've seen Benkert go in the fifth, um, but their they're, Tanya is terrible. There's only three quarterbacks to be drafted since 2004 out of 168 that are comparable Trent Edwards, Nathan Enderley and BJ Coleman um, it's quarterbacks that were that bad in college simply don't get drafted even in the seventh round Trent Ed Edwards is the biggest anomaly as a third round pick but he did not pan out and um, Trevor Simeon is probably the closest, and he didn't even pan out. All right. Well, a lot of great stuff that you gave to us today, Sean. That's going to do it for this edition of the Road of His Draft series. 
Special thanks to Sean Slavin for joining me today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Slavin22 and you know check out all of his work over at 2QBs. He already has uh, three really good articles about Tanya, which we talked about today. So make sure you read those. Uh, I'm Anthony Mika, as you know, at Amista. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Road of His Draft series. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at roadofhisradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com slash podcast. seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment to get amazing offers during the mercedes-benz summer event like the 2019 c-class sedan and glc suv the perfect recipes of driving performance plus you can enjoy six months of sirius xm all access included the mercedes-benz summer event now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles offers end september 3rd mercedes-benz the best or nothing they call you the grill master You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.